1: from KQED.
0: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Starting this week, if California's 35 largest counties want to see their COVID restrictions continue to be lifted, they'll need to bring down coronavirus rates in hard-hit communities, which are also disproportionately low-income and Black and Latino. KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports.
3: Counties like Los Angeles must show they're investing in bringing down COVID-19 cases in their most vulnerable neighborhoods. That means hitting goals both for overall testing and in lowering the percentage of new positive cases in areas that have been disproportionately harmed by the pandemic for socioeconomic reasons. Nines Ponce is the director of UCLA's Center for Health Policy Research. She says the metric will require county officials to make sure all neighborhoods are seeing fewer cases. It really is incentivizing counties to focus their resources on the sickest. It's a complicated metric, but counties that fail to meet it won't be penalized by being moved into a more restrictive tier. They just won't be able to advance in reopening. LA County will remain in the most restrictive tier for at least another two weeks. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier
0: in Los Angeles. California's Health and Human Services Secretary, Dr. Mark Galley, says that according to state information, in-person learning hasn't caused an uptick in COVID-19 transmission rates in the counties where schools have reopened. We're looking at the information to see if there is a connection. And so far, we have not found one. 32 of the state's 58 counties are now in a coronavirus tier that allows them to reopen schools for in-person instruction. Galley presented the update with caution, but says it's a good sign. I just remind people that it sometimes does take time for us to see the trends and we want to act responsibly. But so far, I think that's encouraging for all of California. And he says the average number of new COVID cases is down 9% from a week ago. What does a city do about a scandal ridden police department that's been plagued by officer misconduct, controversial police shooting incidents, and low morale? Well, that's the situation facing the city of Vallejo, population 120,000 north of San Francisco. In response, Vallejo City Council has voted to declare a public safety emergency. Here's Vallejo City Manager Greg Nyoff speaking at last night's City Council meeting. We face a crisis of legitimacy and trust, lack of community trust in police department, numerous internal investigations are underway, continual resistance of reform efforts by Vallejo Police Officers Association. The emergency declaration is supposed to allow the police chief and municipal authorities to more quickly implement reforms and oversight. And here in Southern California, there are also problems with integrity issues in law enforcement. A report written by the L.A. County Sheriff's Department's top civilian watchdog says a gang-like group of deputies called the Bandidos is a powerful presence in the department's East L.A. station. The clique is accused of attacking other deputies and fostering an atmosphere of racism and sexism. L.A. County's embattled sheriff, Alex Villanueva, says the report is an effort to undermine the reputation of his department. Let's turn to this election season, which is drenched in really out-there conspiracy theories fueled, of course, by social media. So, now less than a month before Election Day, Menlo Park-based Facebook has announced it's banning all QAnon accounts from its platforms. Not just the QAnon accounts that discuss violence. More from KQED's Rachel Myro.
3: Facebook characterized this move as intended to bring its approach to QAnon into alignment with those for other militarized social movements whose posts have demonstrably led to acts of violence. QAnon is a loose umbrella term for a community of like-minded conspiracy theorists convinced President Donald Trump is trying to take down a pedophilia ring run by Satan-worshipping elite Democrats and Hollywood celebrities. The social media giant warns its dangerous organization's ops team will take a few weeks to execute this global ban on Facebook pages, groups, and Instagram accounts. For the
0: California Report, I'm Rachel Myro in Menlo Park. California's record-breaking wildfires have destroyed many cherished local attractions, from parks to restaurants to wineries. But in Napa Valley, firefighters were able to save one local treasure. KQED's Raquel Maria Dillon explains.
3: Fire crews laid hose lines around the bale grist mill north of St. Helena. They cut down the mossy old oaks that bend over the wooden flume that brings water from the nearby creek, and then they kept watch for six days. It's a giant wooden building with grease, so it's basically ready to go. State Parks Resource Specialist Kate Green says crews took special steps to save the mill, measures that sound a lot like a vigorous skincare routine. We had them apply protective coatings. We have foam and gel re-wetting and reapplying that gel so that the mill stays hydrated and will hopefully resist fire. The 1846 mill still grinds grain for history buffs and curious tourists. Noah Stewart, historian for the state parks in this region, says it has a following in Napa Valley and beyond.
0: It's a cherished resource by the community. Lots of school groups come through here. When the mill's running, it's a sight to see, and there's cogs and gears and everything moving. It's fascinating.
3: With the help of State Park's fire crews sent from San Luis Obispo and the Sierra Foothills, the old mill is ready for field trips to come. For the California Report, I'm Raquel Maria Dillon in St. Helena.
0: And it's been a very good week for smart Californians. Today it was announced that UC Berkeley professor Jennifer A. Doudna won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry along with a French researcher. Doudna was recognized for her groundbreaking work in gene editing, research considered critical in finding ways to fight genetic diseases. Here she is last year talking to an audience about her early life.
1: I started off, you know, sort of very humble beginnings. I grew up in a small town on the island of Hawaii. And nobody in my family was a scientist. Uh, I, I didn't know any scientists. And I certainly didn't know any female scientists.
0: Also, five Californians are among this year's recipients of MacArthur Foundation fellowships announced yesterday. The fellowships are often called the Genius Grants and are given to people who've made extraordinary and original contributions to a variety of fields. Proposition 22 is one of the highest profile and hard-fought measures on the November ballot. Thought up and bankrolled by such companies as Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash, a yes vote on 22 means app-based ride-hailing and delivery drivers in California would be classified as independent contractors. A no vote means the drivers are classified as employees of the companies as mandated under current state law and receive protections like guaranteed minimum wage, sick time, and access to employee health insurance. So what do the drivers themselves think about Proposition 22? well they're divided. This morning we meet drivers on each side of the debate. We'll start with Michael Cornaccia, a Prop 22 supporter who drives in LA and loves the freedom that comes with driving for Uber and Lyft.
2: I'm an actor and we always needed survival jobs. Before this you know I'd work night jobs in between auditions and this was a game changer.
0: So you are a happy freelance employee.
2: Incredibly happy. This job for the majority of drivers, is supplemental income. It is not here to make you millionaires.
0: And your response to people who say, hey, I drive a lot for these companies, 30, 35, 40, 50 hours a week. I should be an employee. I'm not, I'm making survival wages now. You say what? I say, then what are you, then you're not doing it right. You should be making good
2: money doing this unless you live in a very small rural area where there's not that much business then maybe you must get another job doing something else but if you're in a big city like LA there's absolutely no reason to make an incredible living especially if you're living for working full-time also what is the benefits that you get by becoming a regular employee sick time uh, you get unemployment insurance well you can't you can. Well, those work. are valuable to a lot of they people They are extremely valuable But at this point, you can work The flexibility, I feel, outweighs those Because at the end, you really can't bank on that And if unemployment, you don't have to worry about Because you're an independent contractor You can't get fired, you can't lose your job You just stop working Unless you do something incredibly stupid And get kicked off the platform Then that's on you But you just stop working There have been times I'd had it. I, I didn't need to work So I didn't work And then I was able to pick it up when I needed to These companies have saved me And I know so many other people it has saved. And the government is coming in here and they're trying to meddle with something that works for us. The flexibility, the model where we keep our money and we put it in our bank accounts and we pay for it. And a 1099, like everybody else, should stay because we or else it will change completely. And these services will be gone.
0: Again, that's Michael Cornaccia, a driver who supports Prop 22. Now, here's driver Horacio Zelaya, who's against the initiative and also lives in L.A. I met him at a no on Prop 22 car caravan.
4: I've, I've been working eight to nine hours daily, maybe more sometimes. Maybe more sometimes. Uh, I'm not breaking over 150 on a regular basis, so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty bad right now. What do you want as a driver? What's important for you to have? a living wage basically I, I need to have a guarantee of what i'm gonna make so i can honestly support my family also you know me and my wife we both work but we still need both of our incomes to live comfortably and what i make is not it's not something i can actually depend on for any kind of any kind of expenses
0: you can't pay the rent and other things
4: yeah I, it's not something reliable it's not i'm gonna make this much this day or this week or this month i cannot i cannot have that 500 hundred dollar gap every month and i don't know if i'm a maker or not and you'd like to become an employee of the yes, company i would i would love to become an employee not just not just for the guarantee hourly or but for medical reasons for my family benefits you know retirement and everything like that and what about people who say hey You know,
0: you knew what you were getting into when you signed up for this job. It's a gig job. It's not supposed to support you and your family. You would say what?
4: I would say I had to do what I had to do. It's what I needed to do at the time. It was what's giving me the money so I can effectively support my family. And there's nothing I can say that will make them think different other than this is what I need to survive. And would you mind trading away some freedom in exchange for becoming an employee, you know, kind of Clocking
0: in and out wherever you, whenever you want, going whenever you, wherever you want, or is that a good trade for the other things you would get as an employee?
4: I can I can live without that as long as I can support my family better, because ultimately it's not about just me, it's about my family, and I, I could give that up. I would give that up to to have those benefits as an employee.
0: Again, that's ride-hailing driver Horacio Zelaya, who's against Prop 22. For more information about this proposition and other measures on the ballot, check out the KQED Voter Guide at kqed.org slash voterguide. And finally this morning, we honor the passing of a musical legend with deep California roots whose name is synonymous with rock and roll. Guitarist Eddie Van Halen died yesterday in Santa Monica at the age of 65. Born in Amsterdam, Van Halen grew up in Pasadena. In 1972, he and his brother started a band that would become known as Van Halen. After that, they recruited David Lee Roth in a music class at Pasadena City College. Mr. Van Halen's guitar shredding will live in the hearts and ears of countless fans around the world. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, October 7th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Have a great day. Support for the California
2: Report comes from Two Chairs, offering virtual therapy sessions designed to help clients thrive. Two Chairs therapists have personalized care to over 4,000 clients in California. Learn more at twochairs.com. Paint Care, now with 770 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
1: Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of The California Report
2: magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.